0: Welcome back to another episode of Ongoingness. I'm super excited for this week's episode, but first I'd like to share something I learned this week and start with a creative prompt to get us moving. Something that somebody shared with me this week that I found valuable was this idea of the avalanche effect. It's this idea that we build things up in our head, we get overwhelmed easily, And when you break the avalanche apart, when you see an avalanche coming, it's very scary, but when you break it apart, it's full of these small specks of snow, snowflakes, you know, however cheesy we want to get into it. It essentially looks really, really manageable and even beautiful on its own in its individual parts. But when you cluster all of these issues together, when you try to solve everything at once, it looks like an avalanche and it can be horrifying. It can be overwhelming. And so I wanna choose a prompt this week that gets us out of our heads a little bit and has us thinking less and fearing less in a way. And that will require us to do something that maybe even sounds a little stupid or overly simple, but these are often my very favorite prompts. So this week, the prompt will be to draw 10 lines. They can be any kind of line, whatever that means to you in any kind of medium. It can be pencil, it can be gouache, it can be glitter and glue, it can be lipstick, it can be collage, it can be literally anything. And if you feel like sending those images that you make, I'll call them, those that line work to us to have a share out in the coming episodes, you can do that at ongoingnesspod at gmail.com. This is totally optional, but if you want it, it's here. And as a reminder, last week's prompt was to write one page about a first time. This could be the first time you tried peanut butter. This could be the first time you fell in love. This could be the first time you really did anything. And this is just a way to get us feeling a little bit better this week in terms of creating, in terms of connecting, and take it or leave it is what I'll say. So now with that, let's get into this week's episode. This one is very close to my heart. This one is about an interview with Lacey Chisholm, who is a dancer, a creative entrepreneur, and the founder of a dance studio in Crown Heights, New York, called Fit for Dance. And Fit for Dance is an incredibly special community. It's so much more than a dance studio. I found this place years ago when I was looking for an additional dance community and I was feeling overwhelmed. And this is often how I find actually many of my favorite places in the world. I start feeling lonely, I start feeling overwhelmed, I start feeling stressed, and maybe it begins with that sensation of just wanting to move my body or wanting to stand next to a new person or just do something new and feel refreshed. And I stumbled into this community through the recommendation of a friend and It is unbelievably unusual in terms of its openness, its welcoming nature, its energy, and I have not stopped going since. And Lacey has an amazing story. She did not start in the career of dancer and then never left. She's kind of been all over the map, has many, many different passions and gifts like many of us do, and is a complete community builder in the best way. So I'm very excited to get into this interview today, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, Lacey. How's it going?
1: Hey, Ginny, I'm doing well. How about you?
0: I'm great. I'm so excited to be having this conversation again. To those listening, we actually did an interview for my blog project, my old-timey blog project, No Hard Feelings, which I started in 2019, and this was all the way back. We spoke in early 2020, right at the start of the pandemic. We were in a very different place. Unfortunately, not that different. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the studio was closed and it was a very different space than we're in now in terms of mental space and what we're thinking about business and entrepreneurship. And I just want to dive right into Lacey, where your head's at today, how you're feeling. So we'll start with an intro. Can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are kind of pre-fit for dance?
1: Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for reaching out again. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, to dance with you. It's also a pleasure for me to be able to share my story with you and your audience and your platform. So thank you for even being interested So yeah, I'm I'm Lacey Chisholm. I'm the founder and CEO of Fit for Dance, and I am originally from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Grew up there, spent most of my life there, and I went to college in North Carolina at UNC Chapel Hill. I thought I was going to be an anesthesiologist. I went into college thinking that that was going to be my career path and hated it. I uh, hated the courses, couldn't get into it, couldn't get focused. And I honestly wanted to be a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher, wanted to be an educator, but was discouraged by most of my teachers growing up, friends and family. They said, teachers don't make enough money. You're too smart to be a teacher. You know, you should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. You should be a judge. You should be all of these things. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be an anesthesiologist. They made a lot of money. They had work hours that were comparable to the amount of money that they were making. And I thought that that was going to be my career path and had an epiphany while I was in college and reached out to my parents. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to figure out life and figure out what I'm going to do. And so I played with a lot of different majors. I thought I was going to do education and change my mind and went into journalism and to advertising. And I really enjoyed, enjoyed that. So I stuck with it. Uh, got some great internships, amazing jobs, graduated with a degree in journalism and advertising and a concentration in anthropology. And it was great. But every day after work, I would rush to go teach three to eight-year-olds cheerleading and dance. And I loved, absolutely loved that. And that was the highlight of my day. I would stare at my computer screen all day and wait for five o'clock to hit so I could leave and go see these children and teach them dance. And I loved it so much. I started contemplating life again. Like I really want to be a teacher. I should have majored in education, but I didn't. And it was for, you know, so many reasons. Um, Not the right reason, which is, you know, what I want in my heart and spirit. And so I reached out to every school within two hours driving distance of where I lived in North Carolina. And one school got back to me and uh, they were actually 15 minutes away from my house. And I had an interview and they hired me as their second grade teacher. And I was so excited. I was ready And it was a challenging group, um, but I loved them so much. They were all below grade level. And by the end of the year, they were all reading at grade level. They were doing amazingly well. And I realized that I had a gift of working with children, not only just in dance, but in education as well. I'd seen a PBS special about a charter school in New York called Achievement First, and I really liked the mission. I liked what they were doing, and I decided to apply. And actually, backtrack, when I was working in advertising, I'd applied for the school, and they said, we really like you. However, you don't have any teaching experience. So, if you had at least one year teaching experience, we could possibly consider you. And so, That's when I I got the job at the charter school, did that one year. I was teacher of the year, first year, and I reached back out to the school in New York and said, hey, I did it. I have one year of teaching experience. I'm ready to teach for you in New York. So they granted me an in-person interview, and I took that as my ticket to New York. And I said, well, I'm moving. I know I'm going to get the job. I'm just going to pack up and move. I didn't know anybody here. I had one friend from college that lived here that I was in touch with every now and then. And then I had one family member, but it was an aunt through marriage. And she and my uncle were no longer together. So I really didn't have community here. And I decided to just do it. Something was calling me to come to New York. So I did it. Got the job at the charter school as the reading and dance teacher and loved it kids did amazingly well, put on shows, I met amazing people, and I love the community. They were opening a middle school. I'd stuck with those kids from 2nd grade through 4th grade, and they were opening a middle school, and I said I wanted to travel with those kids. I wanted to go to the middle school with them and be their founding dean. So, along with the founding principal, we created the school opened it in East New York. We hired all the teachers, the rest of the staff, and I was the dean. And I also taught dance. And I also taught some social and emotional learning programs and really had a wonderful community there. I wanted to increase the impact I was having in communities and took a job with another organization that helped aspiring teachers and school leaders open their own schools and establish playbooks to create their own schools and did that for a few years. And within that time, I'd actually gained 65 pounds. I was overweight, had high cholesterol, high blood pressure, pre-diabetes, And I was in my 20s and the doctors wanted to put me on medication and I was like, I'm too young to be on medication. What could I do? And I realized I wasn't dancing as much. I was so wrapped up in my career and I wasn't dancing. And so, in this latest job I had, I was able to work from home a lot. And so, I was able to take lots of different classes. I couldn't afford many of the really top quality fitness classes. And so, I would buy Groupons and Living Socials and any type of discount classes that I could find. And I took every class I could think of boot camps, I would join gyms, I would take dance classes, pole dance classes, ballet, modern, jazz all types of dance classes until I was able to figure out which classes I could take that would help me lose the weight that I was excited about and wanted to do. didn't feel like working out. It wasn't a dread for me to go to these classes. And I was also in spaces where I was looking like, wow, this is great. If I had a dance studio, I would love for it to have these things. And so it became a possibility. I was like, wow, I could open a dance studio. I didn't think it would be in New York. I thought I was going to move back home and do it. But then an opportunity came for me to compete in a business plan competition at the library. And I said, you know what, I'll try this out. Even if I don't win, at least I'll have a a plan. And so I did the business plan competition at the library and it was a really amazing experience allowing me to put all my ideas on paper and really meet a lot of amazing people. They paired us up with mentors and various Organizations that provided resources and I met some really incredible people who I still keep in contact with today that helped me and guided me throughout the process. So one of the major projects in the business plan competition was to price out the storefront, get your budget. And because I wasn't from New York, you know, looking at these prices of commercial spaces, it just seemed overwhelming. And it was like, I could never afford that. So I was just putting those numbers into the plan and, you know, wasn't really thinking that anything would come from it so quickly. But one of the realtors, I had to reach out because sometimes in the listings, they don't put the the price. So I reached out to the realtor to ask, you know, what was the price of one of the, the spaces? And she said, why don't you come look at it? And it was in my neighborhood. It was only maybe five, six blocks away. So I said, "Oh, I have time to do that. I'll go look at it. And I went to the space and looked at it and it was really nice. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. This would be a great space. And I said, I'll, you know, I've got the information I needed. I'll put it in my plan. And she was like, well, this is your space. This is your dance studio. This is going to be your dance studio. You're going to move here. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. One day, maybe one day. And then she went outside and she started telling the neighbors, hey, this is Lacey. She's going to open a dance studio here. I was like, this lady's crazy. Like, I'm not opening a dance studio here. I'm not prepared. I'm just getting information. But she was just introducing me to everybody. And she's like, no, this is your space. And I thanked her. And I was like, you know, that was that was really nice of you. And, you know, hopefully one day we'll meet in the future when I'm actually ready to have a space. She reached out to me maybe two or three weeks later. And she was like, did you, you know, submit your plan for the competition? And I said, Yes. And she said, actually, could I see a copy of it? The landlord is interested in, in, in seeing it. And she was like, could you also put an offer in? And she was like, don't worry, just, you know, just put something. Don't worry about it. It's just, you know, informational purposes. And so I did so. And maybe a few days later, she was like, guess what? The landlord wants you. He wants you to take the space. You should do it. And I was like, whoa. But I had the plan. And the plan, you know, was, was step by step, everything I wanted to do. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And I told the, the job I was working for at the time that I was going to resign and this was what I was going to be doing. And, And they said, no, 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 no. We really need you. Do you think you could do both? You won't have to come in. You always get your work done. You can make your own schedule just, you know, we, we want you to stick around for a little bit longer, but we also believe in your dreams and, you know, we'd like to to continue to support you, but you know, you're doing really great work and, and we'd like to keep you on. So that was a blessing that I was able to have so much flexibility and still have some income coming in as I was starting this business. So that was, that was wonderful. And I signed the lease in December of 2015. And I gave myself two months to get the space together and really plan the grand opening and the ribbon cutting and get all the things necessary that were in my plan that I needed to open. It was great. It started out great we I had three teachers in the beginning um I was teaching most of the classes, and then I'd hired. Three other teachers to do different styles, yoga and stretching. And then I'd also hired my dance teacher, Piniel, who's still with us, uh, to do the Haitian dance, uh, because I love that class so much. And he was such a master teacher and definitely wanted him on my staff. And so things went, went really, really well and lots of different changes in that first space, but that was how we were able to, to get that, that first space and it was just a whirlwind of events that led up to it. And, you know, it was still really unbelievable that it happened so quickly. And I was just really, really excited about it, but definitely didn't think that it would be like this.
0: I have so many things to say and so many thoughts. because <laughs> You just gave so much. So thank you for your honesty and just all of that backstory, which is so critical to how we got here today. And obviously, there's so many more years of as we talked about with the initial blog interview, the putting together this space with a limited budget and different struggles of, you know, pulling the community together and moving spaces. And so much has happened since then. And we'll get into that. But so many thoughts. (laughs) The first being, you did something really incredible. I mean, many things incredible, like what can't you do, Lacey, honestly, but you started with this sort of practicality, it sounds like, which I think happens to a lot of us, where we have this dream, we have this like a neat thing we really love to do. And we kind of know early on what we really love doing. And whether it's practical or not, in a societal context, whether we think it's going to make us money or what, whatnot, or build a community or whatnot. It's really interesting to see how the more people I talk to, the more I realize like the happiest people, and I think the luckiest amongst us. Maybe I'll be like crucified for this, <laughs> for saying this something controversial, but it seems like the harder you work for those kind of gut feelings, like to for that joy that you know, like, like you said, when you were going from your advertising job to teaching the dance studio, you just kind of knew that that's where your joy was coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's where you kept kind of returning back to that like inner truth if we're lucky enough to be able to tap into it or to meet somebody who has enough to make it their life career or their whole world it's just kind of incredible to watch to witness and to be a part of so the fact that you made that decision so early too you know in college i feel like i'm many years out of college and i'm still kind of working through my passions and the many things i like to do and so many of us are and I know it wasn't so simple as, okay, I just turned a page and now I'm in this new chapter and it was a clean cut transition right. with all of these major changes. And they were all decisions you made that I'm sure came with a lot of turmoil and you did them anyway. So I would love to talk about, you know, when we're kids, we have that very clear gut intuition, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. We know what we like. We're very honest. What was Little Lacey like in relation to knowing that dance was something that brought you a lot of joy? Like, what are some early memories for you?
1: Little Lacey is very similar to Big Lacey. I've been dancing since I was four years old. Well, actually, my mom said I was... Dancing in her belly and even when I was a toddler, just sitting on top of the washing machine or the dryer while she was doing laundry. She said I would like move to the, to any beat, to the beat of the, of, of the washing machine, to the beat of the dryer. I was always moving. And so when I was able to take dance classes at age three, I stuck with that and danced from three until now, like always dance was always in dance recitals and Competitions and loved, loved, loved to dance, and I also loved to play school. Whenever it was, you know, my playtime, my imaginary, uh, imaginative time. I had a playroom, and I would teach dance classes to my stuffed animals, and I would teach school to my stuffed animals. And I would ask my mom to take me to the actual teacher store. Like I didn't want to just get, you know, the toy, the toy chalkboard, and the toy things. I wanted to go to the official store where the teachers were buying their products and and, and their tools. And so my parents were always very supportive and, you know, made it real for me. So I had the A real chalkboard, a real whiteboard with markers. I had, you know, a lesson plan book back when teachers used to like use those old lesson plan books. I had the grading book. I had, uh, this chart, this grading chart where it was like, if it's this many questions and they get this many wrong, he like moved it over and I was like, great. I had my red pen and you know, my mom, she still asked, she was like, you remember when Skipper, that was my, one of my stuffed animals, she was like, Skipper was always in trouble. So I was also doing like punishments, like if they weren't doing their work, they had to sit in the corner and then they got treats and then they were rewarded. I loved teaching and I loved dance. So that was like what I always did in my spare time as, as a really little Lacey and then. Growing up, I stuck with my dance studio until my dance teacher retired. And then when she retired, I felt guilty about going to another dance studio and started focusing on, on cheerleading and dance and did that with the schools. Growing up in the South, cheerleading and dance was really, really big. And, uh, when we got to, uh, high school, we also ran dance and cheerleading camps for younger kids. So being able to teach kids cheerleading and teach dance. It was always something I was interested in, and I would also seek out opportunities to work in the community. From 10th grade to 12th grade, I volunteered at domestic violence shelters to tutor kids and teach dance to kids that lived in the shelter with their moms. And I was just always drawn to helping people. There was a program at my high school called Teacher Cadets, and we were able to have instruction from professors at a college, they would come in and teach us, you know, how to be a teacher and teach us pedagogy. And we even got to go to the elementary school that was down the street and do light student teaching because uh, we were in high school. But it gave me like a real experience of what it would be like to be a teacher and even though I knew when I was going to college, I was going to major in something else. I just really enjoyed that experience and and loved it so much and loved dancing. And dancing and teaching has just always been a, a part of my life from a child. And so it really, really all makes sense now, even though it was something I was running from. But then I'm also just really grateful that, you know, my path did turn to advertising because as I'm starting the business, I'm able to create advertisements and I know marketing and I know all of those things. And it saved me a lot of money that I'm able to do all of those things on my own and not have to hire as many people as I would have had I had no knowledge of of advertising and marketing and, and all of those things. It's really helped out a lot or like building websites and doing all of these things that are necessary for having a business. It just all unfolded in the way that it was supposed to even though the past were this way that way doing this doing that doing this doing that it was all for a great reason and it's all helped and I'm just really grateful for all of the experience that led me here.
0: Two huge lessons I just gleaned from me that were really valuable that I know everyone's going to relate to. The first being listen to your childhood intuition mm-hmm. always because children are the wisest among us I think we all know that and <laughs> yes. the most truthful among us. And then we grow up and we almost have to fight to get back to that intuition somehow. Like all the muck of life just makes it hard to see it clearly, like we did when we were kids. And to be able to get back to that, tap back into that is huge and wise. And I hope we can all, we're all able to do that in our lives. And the next part is for so many of us, creatives, entrepreneurial spirits, whoever really, people of passion, hopefully all people, to remember that these moments that feel just really like loop to loop, feel like how does this relate to anything, that it is going to shape how we run a business. It's going to shape our specific lens in terms of a textile designer that started by going to business school and I'm thinking of a specific person, <laughs> name, but you know, she went to business school, she regretted going to business school for grad school because she felt like she should have gone to design school. But now she's running like a huge, hugely successful textile business. And that's really hard to do in textile. It, it's a pretty niche business. So I mean, same thing here, your point to saying, you know, having marketing background, having that business savvy when starting a business that was focused on dance, it's not enough just to go down that one path, you know, dance, 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 dance. It actually builds a much stronger business to have all, the, all of these different experiences. That's really important, I think, for people to remember when they feel like, why am I here right now? Like <laughs> Am I wasting my time? No, they're not wasting their time. They're just on their own journey. And that's really important to remember. So not to be discouraged by that. That's critical. That's part of the process. So you answered a lot of my questions already. We're getting an idea of what Fit for Dance is about. We've heard the background. I'm curious how... let Let me think about these two questions and how I want to merge them. The first is... What does community look like to you and how does it keep pushing you forward? And the second is how did your business change and adapt over the pandemic and how are you feeling right now? Those are two huge questions. So I'm thinking we start with, let's zoom in on that place where you said you moved to New York City, you had this dream, you were going to teach, you were going to open up a dance studio, but you didn't know anyone here. So how did you start? I know you found some of that support by going to the Women in Business. Group. That was where you wrote your business plan and all of that. But where, when did it really start happening for you where you started building this community that believed in you so that you could get, get off your feet in a real way? So that you could say to the realtor, <laughs> okay, I'll do this.
1: I was really blessed in the first job that I got at the school. Many of the teachers were also young like me. A lot of us were not from New York. Several of them were, but some of them weren't, and we were so close knit at the school. We worked a lot, we worked really long hours, and we worked a lot together, and we did a lot of social things and I also was a lead of the social committee, so I was you know planning all these events and planning opportunities for us to go out because community has always been important to me, and I would even organize, dance shows for the staff. And so they knew me as the dancer. They knew me as the the dance teacher and the person that was going to get people together, get people excited. And I worked at that organization for seven years and I still keep in touch with many of those people today. And I really value relationships that I build with people. Um, and in every job that I've had, I've kept those relationships with people really close and even in working with business and and doing business plan competition, networking and keeping people close and figuring out you know who my tribe was and who I was going to keep around me, positive people, energetic people. I've always been able to really figure out who those people were for me and who my who my tribe was. And in doing the business plan competition, I'd also found out about a program called Shape Up NYC, and so I. Because I had always taught children, I wanted to get some experience teaching adults when I opened the studio. And this program allowed us to go into communities, underserved communities and teach dance and fitness for free. And I wanted to do that. So I joined that community, met a lot of great people who were also interested in dance and fitness and started teaching dance in my community and built up a following that way. And when my internship was over, the community center actually hired me. They said, so we've never had this many people in our classes. So we want to hire you. And that was amazing. And that pushed me forward too. like, okay, yes, I really can do this. People want to come. People enjoy this, not just children. Adults enjoy this, too. And they followed me. And I started renting spaces before I got the dance studio. I would rent spaces wherever it was available and, you know, rent a space for an hour to teach a class. You know, in the beginning, it might have been like one or two people. It might have just been my friends that met me at the school. But eventually it started, it started growing. And when I became really clear about what the vision was for the dance studio and why I was opening it, it wasn't just like, oh, I just want to dance. It was because I wanted to support my community. I was a perfect example of someone who needed a space to be able to work out and be happy and feel joy when I'm working out, not dread. As a black woman who the statistics are really daunting for, for black women, we die from preventable diseases every day. So for all those diseases that I told you I was struggling with, that's really common for, for black women. And I wanted to provide a space for black women to feel safe and comfortable and be able to take these classes because I knew that with 30 minutes of, of activity a day, we could decrease these numbers significantly. I also wanted a space where people could feel comfortable and safe and learn about other cultures and build community because that was something that I was seeking. And then I also wanted to create a safe space for children. I knew how important dance was in my life and how it allowed me to meet so many amazing people as a child and as an adult. It allowed me to travel. It allowed me to be able to talk to all different types of people. And even though I think I'm an introverted extrovert, when I'm dancing, I feel like I'm a, a totally different person. And I knew that many of the children that I worked with that were shy or that had behavioral issues or had any any sort of issue that they need they wanted to express themselves that dance could be that opportunity for them. So I wanted to create this space to do all of those things and also give back to the community. It was really important that Me bringing these people together would also give back to the community in a way that would be positive, like having book bag drives and collecting school supplies for the kids in the community, sanitary drives for incarcerated women, sock drives for the homeless, toy drives for for the holidays. So just figuring out ways I could support the community and the people that were coming into Fit for Dance were seeking the same thing, seeking a place where they could feel comfortable and feel safe, not feel judged, that they could work out in a comfortable space and feel like they were you know, not overwhelmed, not that they had to be like the best dancer, that they had to be a professional dancer, feel like they had to be a certain size to work out or feel like they couldn't stand in the front row if they didn't look a certain way or, you know, be embarrassed if they started to sweat in their crotch or things that happen in the regular gym. I didn't want those things. I wanted to remove all those barriers. And I also wanted people to feel comfortable and With the people in the community. So our communities are changing every day. As you know, you know, people are moving into neighborhoods, people are moving out, things are changing. You have neighbors that you never speak to. There were people that had been in a building for 20 years, lived, you know, on the the same floor (laughs) yeah, and they never talked to each other and they met in the studio and then they were going to coffee together and doing laundry together and helping each other. So all of those things were really important to me and building Fit for Dance. I wanted it to be a community and I wanted it to be a place that I wanted to come to every day. And so it's been a real blessing to be able to go to work and get up every day and see people that I love, love to be around. Most of the people that come to Fit for Dance, they come every day. And sometimes I'm like, wow, they're gonna come again or they're gonna take three or four classes a day. They they love it and they say they always say they love the community. They love being there. They feel safe. They feel comfortable. They feel like they can be themselves. And that's really important, especially now. It's just really important to have that community and feel safe and feel like you have a place where where you belong.
0: First of all, it's so clear how much you love what you're doing. And it always is incredible to me because I've taken, let's say, the same class, Lit Fit, for I don't know, probably 30 times, if not more now. And you're doing often like a very similar routine. And I'm like, how the hell do you have the same energy every time? You know, it's just incredible to me. And I wanna I wanna describe kind of my first few experiences going to your studio for those listening, because it is an incredibly special place. And I want to just illustrate that a little bit. Because I I started dancing when I was two or three as well. And I stopped dancing pretty young. I would say about 10 or 12. I, let's say I danced about 10 years. But I didn't dance through high school. I didn't dance through college. I felt out of touch with my body. I was in stressful jobs, also similar to advertising that I just kind of fell into by accident. And I just felt so out of body, like I wasn't myself. And I didn't even know how to get back to myself. It was such a strange feeling. And I don't know, I don't even think I was aware until I stepped into the studio. And I started to move and I was like, I feel a string bean <laughs> meets that like can't move meets like a waving blow up man <laughs> that you see outside of like car <laughs> places. And I just felt like, wow, I haven't moved like this in a free joyful way in so long that it almost felt like I was pushing through this like hard shell of wax where I felt so awkward in my body so shy and even still like sometimes I I'm like fighting that depending on the day I've had but the progress that I felt that I'd made because of the comfort of your studio and the joy emanating from everyone that's part of the class I mean every single person contributes to that and you're leading it so it's just I want to give credit to everybody in that room. Something really amazing has happened. And I think any, anybody who's part of your community, it's, it's obvious why we all keep coming back because it's hard to find and it's much deeper than just getting in touch with your body again. It's building a sense of confidence. It's troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. It yes. affects every part of your life when you feel better. And then you know that no matter how crappy your day is today, you're like, I'm going to dance it out. It's going to be fine. And if I have another bad day tomorrow, I have something to look forward to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. So, for that to be available, I mean, there's just, it's just magic. I don't know what else to call it. It's magic that happens. Like, it's like you're saying, it's community building, it's wellness, but it's it's so much more than that, too. It's like, it's a really like spiritual movement <laughs> and it changes you if you do it for long enough, it really changes you and how you relate to yourself and how you relate to other people. And I always walk out of your class and I'm like walking down the street and I feel like I'm on a rainbow and I'm like, hi. Yes. Yes. But then when I'm walking to the class, you know, before I take it, I'm just like in a hood, you know, I'm closed off. So it's just this it's like meditation. It's like this practice that we have to keep mm-hmm. push, pushing ourselves to keep up and do. It's not a one-time fix. It's really like being part of a community in a really long-term way. And that's that was my first experience. And that's why I tell everyone to come to your studio. I'm a huge oh. fan, obviously. And on the note of wellness, I'd love to end with this, this question, which is, what is a sign you need to slow down? You're a very busy person you run your own business, you do a million different things. You just taught a class and now you're doing this podcast. And I know you're teaching at least a few more later. I mean, your days are packed. You're giving all the time. So how do you know when to slow down? And then what's something you do to give yourself that? Yeah,
1: how do I know when to slow down? And actually, I'm going to Backtrack too to your other question that I, I didn't answer because it is related to the the pandemic that really yeah. really allowed me to slow down, it kind of forced me to slow down. Um, a, major pivot? a major pivot. And in the beginning, you know, we had our you know last class at the studio, and we were all thinking that you know we'll be out for a couple of weeks and then we'll be back. That's what everybody thought, and. What was also incredible was that I'd scheduled some recordings at the studio to record some of the classes because we'd been thinking about doing some virtual stuff. But it was it had been on the list of things to do for years. But it was always like, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And we were able to, to, to record like 10 classes, which was wonderful. And then we shut down and, and we were shut down and we were shut down for a year and a half. And it was like something, something happened in that moment of us being shut down and, you know, realizing like, oh, this is serious. Like, we're not going back for a while. I went into turbo mode and it was just like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep the community together? How are we going to dance? What are we going to do? You know, all these things. And it was immediately, okay, let's figure out how to go online. Let's figure out how to stream it. Let's figure out how to also have on-demand videos. Let's figure out these things. So it was like a bunch of research, calling people that I knew were great with technology and just asking them lots of questions and a lot of troubleshooting and testing things out with students, getting on Zoom and asking them about the audio quality and asking them about the music and figuring it out, failing a lot and being able to get back on. So it took us, and I really can't believe it only took us a week a week after closing before we had the virtual platform up and running for the live Zoom Zoom classes, for the on-demand classes, and being able to record the Zoom classes to put on the platform. And before we knew it, it was like, you know, six months in, a year in, and we were still doing these things. And I was really grateful because people were excited about it and they wanted to do it. And our same community was still showing up and even new people were showing up. So we were getting people from around the country. And then around the world, we had some people from South Africa and Senegal and Australia and the Canary Islands, like, you know, all of these places around the world who were logging on to take classes. And it was it was a blessing. And so we shifted to a completely virtual platform because we couldn't go into the physical space. And I didn't think that that would sustain us, but it did. And then we were still able to do the things in the community. I said, well, that shouldn't stop us from still being able to do a toy drive and a sanitary drive. And I reached out to the community and they were like, yeah. So they sent all the toys to my house or they sent all the sanitary products to the house and we would just mail everything. So we still kept up with all of the things that we were doing and just did it on a virtual platform. And that was really amazing, but it allowed me to see like, wow, I was, I was doing a lot and Not having to travel to different schools and different senior centers and to the studio and all of those, the traveling and the movement that I was doing, I was able to rest more. I was able to sleep. I was able to really figure out exactly what I wanted to do. I was still in touch with that program that helped me, you know, start the business and do the business plan. And we had like a support group and they helped out a lot. And I also started therapy. That helped out a lot and really figuring out what it is that I wanted to do with my life and, and what, you know, the direction that the business was going in and, you know, getting mental health in order, being in a pandemic with a business that you're not sure what's going to happen. Am I going to be able to continue to do these things? Cause I was still expected to pay the rent, even though we weren't using the space. It was just so many things that was going on and I wanted to make sure that I was. Really taking care of my, my body and my mental health. And it forced me to slow down and I made some decisions. I was like, you know, I don't like waking up early. I like to sleep in. I don't like having an alarm clock on certain days. So you know what? I'm not going to wake up early when, when the pandemic is over and, you know, things have gotten back to normal. I'm going to make a schedule that works for me. I'm not going to rush, rush, rush to get places and rush, rush, rush to do this and rush, rush, rush and rush, rush, rush. I needed to slow down. I said, I'm going to figure out my schedule and I'm going to teach all of my virtual classes from home. That way I can wake up at a good time, get comfortable, get settled and just go to the living room and teach the class. Not have to worry about getting on the train or the bus, call an Uber. I'm going to have a relaxing morning from bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, living room and I'm going to keep that flow for as long as I can. I'm going to teach classes, you know, on the days that I feel the most energetic. Or if I teach, I started teaching virtually for the senior center and for different schools, I'm going to take on those opportunities. And if it's something that I can't do, I'm going to delegate. I'm going to teach, you know, we had meetings with all of my teachers about how to get online, how to teach you know, great virtual classes. I had teachers that moved away out of state and was still able to keep them on. And I was really able to figure out what I wanted it to look like. And I had time to figure out what I wanted the studio to look like as well. I also wanted to have some outdoor classes. And so even before we were able to reopen, I said, we're, you know, I'll need to figure out how to have outdoor classes. And so we were really blessed uh, to be able to use the rooftop of the Brooklyn Children's Museum and Really, you know, even before we were able to open, just really being intentional about exactly what it is that I want without feeling guilty, like without feeling guilty. Or what about, you know, somebody might want to come to the studio at 6 a.m. and work out. And, you know, being realistic, you know, maybe two or three people might show up to the class or maybe nobody shows up. And then we're rushing, rushing, rushing to get there and open the gate and blah, blah, and then nobody shows. Whereas. 10 or 15 people might show up online virtually. So until we were able to build that out, it's like, you know, having some grace with ourselves too and not saying, well, if I don't do this, then we're not going to have that and this and that. And really saying, well, what does it feel like? Lacey, do you want to get up at 6 a.m.? No, it's not going to work for you. But does April want to get up at 6 a.m.? Yes. She wants to teach a virtual class? Yes. You know, figuring out how to do that and still market to the people that be able to come you know, really just listening to myself, listening to my body and doing what feels right and not feeling guilty about it. And other ways that that happens is like really practicing self care, getting massages, meditating, sleeping, taking naps, trying new recipes. Like I wasn't cooking pre pandemic. I wasn't cooking at all. I never cooked. I was eating as healthy as I could, but it was, you know, because either somebody was cooking it for me or I was eating out. But now I have this time to cook and I had this time to really enjoy my home. I wasn't enjoying my home. So it was this time where I was able to fall back in love with my space and really create a safe space, a space that I wanted to come home to and having a balance saying, these are my hours. Like I have hours. It doesn't have to be 24 seven. I don't have to be falling asleep at the computer every night because I'm a small business owner. I'm doing all of these things. I'm the marketing department. I'm the advertising department. I'm HR. I'm teaching. I'm facilities. I'm operations. I'm all of these things. And I enjoy those things, but still making it so it's realistic and I can still have fun. I can still go out with my friends. I can still have dinner. I can go to Broadway shows. So still being able to do those things that bring me joy and travel and not feel guilty about traveling and and leaving the studio, and is everything going to be all right? And really just being able to have that time to slow down and focus and plan. So I'm really grateful that even though when the pandemic started, I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? I even contemplated, actually was very close to just walking away from the studio. Um, I, I was think like- I think that's-
0: Because <laughs> <don't get anything laughs> that, that I mean, of course you had that thought. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. and. You know, you're the leader of this ship and we don't know if it's going to be a five foot wave, 40 foot wave, right? Enough, but, you know, making decisions based off the unseen. I can't imagine how you did it. And that's why I'm so grateful you're able to talk about it so openly. And that's a really important part of story, the story, how you overcame the doubt, which if you were like, oh, I never had that thought, I wouldn't believe you right. because it's only human.
1: Yeah, that was, that was definitely there. There were lawyers involved. I was trying to figure out how to get out of the lease because it just didn't make sense to, you know, to pay $6,000 a month in a space that I didn't own in a pandemic where I wasn't making any money. And, you know, I was praying a lot and, you know, and trying to figure things out and, you know, asking questions and getting advice from people and really, you know, trying to figure out the right thing. And then, you know, just sitting with your thoughts for a year and a half and trying to figure things out, you start to doubt everything. Like, is this worth it? Like, should you even have a space? Because if virtual is working, then who needs a space? But then it's like, when we got back to the space, it was like, oh my God, how did we ever not, how did we do this? How did we not have a space? How did we not be around people? Like it started to become normal and then it was like, no, I need people. Like people energize me. And yes, I still love the virtual aspect. I love my virtual community. I love that we were able to meet so many people. And love that we're still able to have them. And love that let's say somebody, you know, is rushing home from work or working home from the day and they can't get to the studio or they don't have childcare. They can still log on and take classes. So it worked out Really great that we're able to do both, but I'm just so, so grateful that we were able to, to, to stay in the space and still thrive. And you know, there were little signs that, you know, let me know like, no, keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep going. Even when I felt like my worst or, you know, this is just not going to happen. This is just, I just need to, to figure out something else. And then we get an award. It was like, I got entrepreneur of the year during the pandemic for the state what? for the state of New York. And I was like, what? That was my sign. You know, it was a sign I'd prayed like, know oh what, God, if you don't want me to do this, like I need to know, like, just help me out. Give me a sign. And the sign was, no, you need to do this here. You're entrepreneur of the year. Is that, is that a big enough sign for you? And then, oh yeah, here. <laughs> Amex just shows you uh, they're 100 for 100 black women. They're going to give you a $25,000 grant to support you. You're worried about this rent here. Oh, here. Here's this. Like every time I started to have even more doubts, it was something else that would come and say, no, 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 Lacey. No, don't give up. You're doing the right thing. I know it's hard, but keep going. And here's something to help you keep going. And here's something to let you know that you're doing the right thing. And I'm really grateful for all those experiences and that I was able to push through. And even when it was like, no, I've drawn up the paperwork. I'm doing I'm leaving. I'm, um, this is just not smart. If I need to go back, I will. But this is not smart. Everything that prevented it, you know, like even when I was like, oh, my God, my landlord is just not working with me. I just I just don't know what to do. I can't do this finally, you know, she caved and was like, hey, okay, I don't want to lose you. We'll pause the rent for, you know, six months. So I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. When I presented it to her and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bow out gracefully. I'm going to leave. I just need to make sure that you're not going to come after me. And my parents, since they're the guarantors, I don't, I didn't have the money. Like they might, you know, come after my parents for their retirement money. I just don't want you to do that. And she was like, no, we'll work. We'll work with you. We'll work with you. So I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Because there were so many dance studios around that were closing, um, so many businesses that were closing. And to have that thought and reading that every day, every day you were reading about a business that closed or, you know, people that were struggling, people that were dying, like. It was a lot. And then applying for these grants and for these opportunities to have to tell that story every day, like, yes, I'm struggling. Yes, I'm need money. I'm this, I'm that, all of these negative things that you have to continue to say to try to get a grant or to get an opportunity. It's not healthy to always talk about those things. You want to talk about positive things. You wanna, you know, speak positivity into your life and in, into the space. So to always do that, you know, that has a, an effect on you. And so, you know, just continuing to, to stay positive, keep positive people around me, listen to positive things, therapy, which I had not done before the pandemic. It was something that I said, yeah, I want to do it one day. And so, so helpful. yeah, so helpful, everything and being around great people.
0: So here we are. Post-pandemic, you're stronger than ever because you've been through a hell of a lot. And Fit for Dance is a million times stronger than ever, which we can all feel when we come to the classes. It's just the best it's ever been. I hope you know that. I hope you do. And that's where you feel it. But it's because you've done all of that work that we now get to reap the benefits of that strength and that energy. And it's all there in the classes. So, to those listening, if you live in New York City, Crown Heights, Nostrand Avenue, if you're ever visiting New York City, if you want to join one of the virtual classes from anywhere in the world, Lacey's classes at Fit for Dance. That's Fit, the number for it, dance, New York City, or NYC.com. I'll leave all the links in the bio so you can find her on Instagram, online. It's Just an incredible, as you can tell, an incredible female-led community of just amazing, amazing people with some great energy. So thank you so much, Lacey, for sharing your story. Yes, of Um,
1: course. Thank you for having me and listening.
0: So grateful. And is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Anything you're working on? Any new classes you want to shout out? This is your... Oh, yeah.
1: I'm I'm so grateful that uh, I've been able to find amazing teachers and amazing instructors that just fit right in. Some of the newer classes that we have on the schedule have just truly been a, a, amazing. Um, we have Robinson. He teaches a class called Rabidai Fit. And so it good. has been so amazing and it's been sold out. Goes up so quickly. So really grateful for that. He's a powerhouse. We have Shari Chavares who teaches an Afro-Latin fusion and a flexibility class. And she's been a wonderful addition. And then we also have Kamika Reed, who teaches a, a Caribbean heat cardio class, which is really amazing. And they all have amazing energy. And our other instructors that have been there with me for years, their classes are booming. Even in the beginning, we're like ballet and jazz would have a few, you know, they've been, you know, filled to capacity, which has been great. And I will say, you know, when we first came back to the studio in July of 2021, we had this surge of people. It was great. But then when Omicron came back, in all of its various forms, we saw a significant dip um, like in November, December, January, and it was really scary. But end of January and now into February, like you said, Jenny, and I'm glad that, that you said that. So thank you that it feels better than ever. It feels stronger. And I feel that. And it's like we're finally getting back into like a sense of normalcy. And it feels really good. And we're starting to have, you know, our events. And we're still giving back to the community. And it feels like we're in a really good space. Our kids' classes are back. The energy of the space is incredible. And I'm just really thankful that we are still here. And I look forward to seeing you in class, Jenny. And I look forward to seeing everybody here listening, if you are in New York or if you're not. And I see you virtually. Virtually would love love to dance with you and share some of this positive energy with you and there is something that is in your heart that you are passionate about that you want to do do it do it scared do it bold but do it
0: thank you Lacey.
1: you're welcome thank you
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Ongoingness and to the truly incredible dancer, community builder, and empowering founder, Lacey Chisholm. Want to submit a prompt? Email ongoingnesspod at gmail.com. Weekly episodes drop every Thursday. Find the link in our bio on our Instagram at ongoingnesspod or find us on the interwebs at anchor.fm slash ongoingness. The music for this episode was produced by Erica Enriquez, recorded at Shortstack, New York. The sound was edited by Mahogany Cheetah. As always, thanks for listening. If you appreciate this project and want to support it, you can find info on how to do that on our website. And of course, if there's someone inspiring you these days that you'd love for us to have on, send us a DM or email and let us know. Our ears are open. See you for the next one.